welcome back. Another episode of Rolling with the Punches. This is episode 34. So as we like to name them, this is episode Michael McDowell. Hey, Daytona 500 winner. That's right. The 2021 Daytona 500 champion. I'm a big McDowell fan. He's, I work with him often. He's a, he's a really, really good guy. Yeah, he, he is. And I love the fact that he did anything he could do to be able to stay in the sport from offering to drive uh, the motor coach to for friends of his that had a ride and sponsorship. This could be around the garage area to uh, and, and he was always it was always about family. His faith and his family was so strong. Definitely. So you love seeing people like that who do everything the right way to be successful. I also think um, one of my favorite things about working with Michael McDowell, aside from his great personality, is um, hearing him navigate the tongue twister that is his number, sponsorship, and team name. He drives the <laughs> number 34 loves truck stop Ford for front row motorsports. So give that one five times fast. That's yeah, not an exactly. easy one by any means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every time I have to say it, it trips me up. And I think, wow, he's really good if he can pull that off every single week. Yeah, one extra, <laughs> one extra sip of the communion wine and you won't get that one out. Not that he would. But anyway. yes. No. <laughs> but yes, episode 34, as usual. Hello, I am Jesse Punch. This is my dad, Dr. Jerry Punch. We're here to talk some NASCAR, some awesome current events in the sport that came out this week. And then, of course, uh, Phoenix recap looking at Atlanta. Dad, we were just talking about it. It's going to be really, really hard not to talk all about dirt and all of the big announcements that have come oh, out yeah. in anticipation for two weeks from now. But we'll try to save it as much as possible because next week's episode is going to be chock full. But, you know. Yeah, I'm getting excited. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm getting excited. Well, Dad, I don't know if you saw this, but right before we uh, started recording here, Nashville Super Speedway put out a tweet saying that they're adding additional grandstands for that Father's Day weekend events uh, of racing because of overwhelming demand of ticket prices. Yeah, I mean, it's I love that place. Gosh, I, I can't know. I don't remember how many I did truck races. I think Xfinity, I did a number of IndyCar races there, um, but none of them had the crowds that you would expect with a cup race. And I know, um, and, and here's the best part, you know, Dale Jr., uh, when I did his his podcast, uh, you know, the Dale Jr. download a couple weeks ago, he talked about how uh, we were just talking off off camera about how that's the first race for NBC. And uh, oh, everybody, that's right. yeah. everybody's so pumped to get there and so excited to get there. And plus the fact you know, he loves Nashville anyway. He, he's a Nashville Fairgrounds fan, but obviously right. just being being able to know how, how avid um, and how loyal the NASCAR, the Central Tennessee fans are um, to NASCAR. It's, it's going to be, he thinks the response is going to be overwhelming. Well, he was right because they're having to add grandstands. Yeah, it's honestly going to be such an awesome weekend of events. And you talk about the the whole Nashville community. Well, obviously COVID kind of putting a wrench in things for the end of last season. But now with the end of the season banquet in Nashville, I really yeah. think uh, it's great to kind of see that that um, all kind of coming back together and rallying around that community that does have such a fandom for NASCAR. I think there's a lot of really good things for that area in the upcoming years. Yeah, and, and not to brag on Tennessee, but, you know, it was Tennessee <laughs> – in Bristol Motor Speedway that uh, that basically showed a lot of people. Last spring, we were in the middle of the pandemic and people were saying, well, can you have an event? Can you get 30,000 fans in there in, in and out safely? Will they social distance? How does this work? And they were the litmus test. And now it's the state of Tennessee, different company, but um, at, at Nashville Super Speedway, it's gonna show the way. But uh, yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, you know, people, you know, those, by the way, those major league sports, you know, they learn from NASCAR. They learn from NASCAR how to handle mm -hmm. the pandemic and the crowds. So you're talking about breaking news this week. I do want to call a rumor. Uh, there is a rumor out there that because of how much people have learned from NASCAR, that the NCAA is considering maybe next year playing the first and second rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament on dirt. But that's not true. I was so confused as to where you were going with that. That's really good. I'm like, I really was genuinely so shocked as to where you were going with that. They like to learn from NASCAR. They're not going to play on dirt. However, I would encourage yeah. them maybe to bank both ends of the court, maybe 18 degrees or so. Wouldn't that be cool? You have to run yeah, that would, yeah. Talk about uh, March Madness. That would definitely be a way to uh, step up the game, no doubt. I love it. Uh, That's so fun. At a 45. <laughs> I love it. You had me. Oh, man. 
but yes, I uh, am very excited to hear that. That's awesome news for for Nashville Super Speedway. A great way to enter back into the sport. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, also, awesome news. Bubba Wallace, next gen car testing at Richmond. He right. he put out a pretty funny tweet. He said something about you know, sorry to break it to you, but I did bring back the car in one piece or something. You know, a lot of people giving him a hard uh, time saying, don't wreck yeah. the next gen yeah, don't, car. Yeah, don't poke the bear, Bubba. You know, yeah, hey, exactly. yeah, I'm, I'm you know. And that team's going to get there, uh, you know, uh, by the way, that the 2311. 20, oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, here's, I, I'm excited about the next-gen car that, that they're testing. The more and more I hear about it, the more excited I get. But, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, the, the elephant in the room is the fact that we're seeing such great racing now this year right. with this car we have. And that, this car we have, we finally gotten it, you know, a lot of people have worked so hard on the rules and, and the leadership. So we finally got this thing where it is, with the rules packages, with the with the high downforce, low low you know low horsepower, and the mm -hmm. high high horsepower, low downforce package so well uh, that you know. But and I hate to see it change, but this new car is going to offer so many other options in terms of drivability. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The racing we've seen over the past couple of weeks has been spectacular. And it's kind of like we talked about, was it last week when we said it's this is almost like a farewell tour for this yeah. uh, generation of race car and, and they're doing a great job at it. But um, I think the next gen car, like you said, it's just going to present its own yeah. world of challenges and, and different uh, things that we're going to get excited about. So it, it'll be cool that somebody posted a video on Reddit of a full lap of, of Bubba Wallace taking the car. So it was kind of cool to like really hear the car and, and see how it runs. And um, I'm looking forward to car. it. Great looking car. It, it looks nice. Yeah. It looks really nice. Um, yeah. So that was exciting. Uh, I also, we were, we were talking about this before we got going, the Kansas race. Bush oh, is yeah. up, up to it again. Yeah, they uh, did a nice little contest for the Kansas race, and the winner has been announced. We can anticipate the Bushy McBush race 400 at Kansas. Yeah, That's they had a uh, competition, and what I want to know is what were the ones that lost? I'll let you, I'll tell you right here. Yeah, the right. other finalists were the Bush Latte. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, nectar of the cobs. That, clever. That, that's clever, but it, it's yeah. a little, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the farmers, which yeah, that's nice, yeah, but yeah. it's not quite as catchy as Bushy McBush race, which obviously, yeah, took took the cake. Say so. that four or five times in a hurry going to commercial, and I, you know, uh, I've done those yeah. races. You're, you're, they're counting you got four seconds to get that in. Who knows? Who knows what will come out of your mouth when that when you're trying to do something in a hurry there. So good. And how about if Kurt or Kyle Bush were to win the Bushy McBush? Yeah. Yeah, that's that would be uh, quite the time. Yeah. This is another time that I don't I'm glad I'm not Mike Joy. Uh, not because not only is he going to have to say this numerous times during the broadcast, but he's going to have to keep uh Clint from running away with it too, because he's going to have well, a lot of fun with that. That one. might be. You may. They may have to taser Clint because he'll he'll be having so much fun with that. They'll, they'll have. They may. And have in Kansas, to, of all places. Yeah. Well, he's going to be in rare form at home. The good news for Clint is it's a beer sponsor, so that's. Uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's comfortable there. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a safe it's, space. Yeah. yeah. Those are his peeps. Yeah. Exactly. I thought it was funny though. People on Reddit were talking about. Uh, how this name is so is just so ridiculous, but everybody's like, did we forget that we had the SpongeBob SquarePants 400 at Kansas a few years yeah. ago? Yeah, and yeah, and other people were listing out different you know names like the ones at the Brickyard. Obviously, are always so long and extravagant, like the right. 2019 Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard, presented by Golden Corral. Right, right. Wow, we miss anything there at all? Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. Just add an underwear. I mean, and you're good there. I mean, holy, that's the whole department store you're sponsoring that race. Yeah. How about the 2016 Crown Royal presents the Combat Wounded Coalition 400 at the Brickyard? Well, you had, they had me at Crown Royal. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was so funny. Everybody was spitting out their favorite race name, saying this Bushy yeah. McBush race is ridiculous, but lest we not forget, we have had some pretty ridiculous race names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, Dad, let's talk some Phoenix. Phoenix was 
spectacular. Like we said, we've seen some awesome racing the past couple weeks. And I, I mean, going into that, I could have told you those restarts were going to be phenomenal, but it, I just, I just love watching any, any racing at Phoenix, especially those restarts. So uh, no trucks, Austin Sindrick, second win of the season, second oval win of the season, I might add. And how good was those final four or five laps, a restart. And uh, I love, you know, Justin Allgaier got on the radio and he's running second. He said, guys, this could get really ugly. Because he had, he had not been able to he he could he could start out with Cindric but Cindric would pull him by three or four car lengths after four or five laps, and so Allgaier knew I had he had to pull a hail mary or something, and so they knew it was coming. And I give him credit. He said he, he called the shot. I mean, it was Babe Ruth. He pointed the center field and said, "Here he comes." <laughs> you know, so he on the restart he made a move so did to the outside while they were going four wide. You know, they they do the shortcut down through the infield there on the apron, right. which is wild. And he gets the, the dog outside. Leg there, yeah. They just couldn't because he was above the PJ1, the, the traction compound. The car bounced off the wall. He damaged it. But hey, he was up there giving it, giving it to college try. So good for Justin Allgaier. Uh, I think he ended up still get, getting like a seventh or eighth place finish. So he got a good finish mm -hmm. out of it. But here's the best, here's the cool part is people were slipping and sliding everywhere. These are experienced drivers. Justin Allgaier, one of the most experienced drivers in the series. And uh, and one of the one of the most popular and well liked drivers, but these guys are sliding everywhere trying to win a race. And who dodges everybody? Little Ty Gibbs comes through yep. there. He wins the ARCA race. He finishes second in the so in the two Xfinity starts. Whatever he's got a first and a second. Is that right? I mean, holy yep. cow! Yeah, I mean, worst career yeah. finish in the Xfinity series for Ty Gibbs. That's tough. That? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for real. I mean, I, I said it this week on the Pace Lap. Watching. Ty Gibbs and Austin Sendrick battle it out in the final few laps. We'll never get old. You can't, you can't, yeah. that will never get old watching that because the talent in that series and between the two of those drivers is just amazing. And I am so excited to see what Ty has for us this season. And that's coming off of an ARCA win the night before. Yeah. I mean, I've, ne I've never, I've never talked to Ty. You've interviewed Ty and mm -hmm. talked to him, but I, I know I've known, you know, Austin Sendrick since he was just starting in racing because I've known his dad uh, for so long and just and so and such a wonderful guy he is and he was a great athlete but watching Austin come up through the ranks and he's so mature both these kids are so mature beyond their years mm -hmm. so poised and so composed now Austin's a big tall guy he could play he could play basketball for you know uh, you know uh, Indiana for the Hoosiers because he's an yeah, Indiana so, yeah. so, so, nowadays so could you and I but then again uh, uh, <laughs> but you know, he's 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 quite quite the athlete but like Ty Gibbs you know, he looks like you want to put him on your lap and read a story to him or something. He's just a little guy, <laughs> you know, but he's so sweet and so talented and so composed. And it showed And what he did. He won, the, he won the Xfinity race, and then he comes back and finishes second. And people are going everywhere. They're left and right, and he dodges through there. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, how, how proud, you know, Coy, Joe, the whole family have got to be for that young man and just, you know, that kind of success early on. And it just seems like, okay, it's what I'm, it's a little bit like the, the Chase Elliott. Okay, I've, I've accomplished something, but I've got a lot, a long way to go. I've got a lot to learn. It's just so level-headed, you know, that, that uh, you love to see that in a young driver. Yeah, and which I'm sure is hard to be when you find such immediate success so early on. It's, it, it would be I can imagine difficult to to have such a level-minded way of thinking to say, yeah. okay, even though I've started out really strong, I still have to recognize that I have a long way to go and a lot to learn. And I love that you use the word composed because I think um, we talked about it two weeks ago, I believe, just about the the pushback from certain fans to Ty Gibbs, especially prior to that first Xfinity yeah. Series win. They felt like he couldn't, he was too immature and then he, when it came to the the media side of things and that he wasn't always the best at expressing his his emotions, but um, you talk about composure. Doesn't matter how you, how composed you think he is outside of the race car. There is no arguing that that kid is cool as a cucumber behind the wheel. Because yeah. now that we've yeah. seen him, what he can do here at Phoenix, and the juxtaposition of that and watching him wheel it on the Daytona road course, we know how much composure you have to have to get through those final laps in a road course with Austin Sindrick on your bumper. I mean, he has shown that he is a wheelman hands down and, and is not doesn't he doesn't have that same rookie angst behind the wheel that you question, oh no, is, is he going to... Is he going to let his emotions and excitement get the best of him? He's got it handled. When I was his age, I was just trying to, you know, 
pass tests in school and make it to football practice. You know, I, 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 I wasn't right. doing anything in public that, that required me to, you know, uh, but uh, holy cow, I'm so impressed with those kids. So the, the Xfinity race set the stage for uh, what was going on at, at Phoenix and, uh, and, you know, for, for the cup day, which, uh, yeah. you know, you think about it, Joey Logano had won this cup, first cup race at Phoenix a year ago. And then, and then Chase Elliott comes back and wins a championship there, you know, in the finale. So everybody wanted to go to Phoenix and, and run well. They wanted to run well and, because it sets up what's going to happen later in the year and maybe as an omen for what's going to happen, you know, when they go back during November for championship week. Right. And it was funny because, you know, Martin Truex Jr. obviously getting the win on Sunday, his first win of the season and first career win at Phoenix. But I loved his uh, post-race. He said, uh, I wish it was November, though, you know, <laughs> which yeah. I thought was good because obviously that's, you know, that's when you want to get a win at Phoenix because hopefully you're fighting for that championship. But um, and it was funny. He said something, too, about it. Been It's been forever since we've been to Victory Lane. Uh, his last win was in Martinsville last year at last June, which to yeah. some drivers is forever. I guess if you're Martin Truex Jr. But right. it was kind of cool that that win at Martinsville was a first career win in Martinsville for a short track win. And now he's kind of picked up another resume builder there at Phoenix. You know, one of the one of the great things about Martin Truex Jr., aside from the fact that he's just a great human being, and uh, I mean, he just—if you had to pick one guy to be in a foxhole with that you said it, that you knew was going to fight to, you know, fight to the last breath for you, with you, it'd be someone like him because he doesn't get rattled. And early in that race, and he bounced a car off the wall. He bounced his Toyota off the wall and and scraped it up. He didn't lose his composure. He wasn't screaming, yelling, pointing the finger at people. They came down pit road. They made some adjustments. Uh, he went back out and he drove it, and he ends up winning the race. That composure, you know, of, of some other people, even veteran drivers, would have lost it. They would, you know, they would have been angry at themselves. Some would have been angry at their crew. Some would have been angry at the wall, you know. But you know, they would have, and they would have not been able to focus. Yet here, Truex gets it done. You know, I know his dad, I've known his dad really well because his dad was a racer in the Bush North series. And his dad was that kind of very composed individual, focused, you know, business-like approach and just a good guy inside. And he said, you know, my job is to get from A to B. If something happens halfway there, I just, I got to handle it. And I think that's, mm -hmm. says a lot about Martin Truex and, and they it thrilled to see him get that win. So now how about that? Five different winners. Um, and, um, I five mean, races, I, five winners. Yeah. And, and, and let me ask you this. If, if you would have told someone at the beginning of the year, after five races, that Hendrick Motorsports would have two winners and neither one of them would be Chase Elliott. Or right. if you would have told someone that after five races, Joe Gibbs Racing would have two winners and neither one of those would be Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin. Now, how about that? I mean, yeah. uh, uh, I don't think know. I would have believed you if you told me that. I mean, uh, definitely John, not. imagine the bet you could have won with that. Or, or for you basketball fans listening in, what if you would have bet that the only team from the Commonwealth of Kentucky to make the NCAA tournament would be Moorhead State? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Holy God, cow. I don't know what's going on in the world right now, but something's off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome to see Martin Truex get, get that win. He said, he said in his post-race that he was speechless, which I thought was funny. Saw a lot of emotion from him, which was, yeah. which was really nice to see. Dad, you, you mentioned um, just how this could obviously be a bit of a reflection as what we're going to see in November for the championship race. But I brought up this discussion. I had Brett Moffitt on the show this week, oh, yeah. which was really fun because if you aren't familiar with Brett or you haven't really kept up with what he's doing this season, he's running both the truck series and the Xfinity series. He declared for truck points. Um, he's running in the trucks for Nice Motorsports, running in the Xfinity series for our motorsports. Um, but yeah, so he obviously had a ton of insight. And I asked him about, you know, if this is what we think we're going to see in November. And we, we both were discussing how in the, on the cup side, we did see a lot of those kind of expected front runners come, come forward this week and have good runs that we've been waiting to see from them all year, like Chase Elliott and, and Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin. But on the Xfinity side, we saw a lot of smaller operations have really good runs and get top 10 finishes. And I thought that was really cool. We saw a career best finish for Brandon Brown. He finished third and he drives for Brandon built motorsports, 
Career best finish for Bailey Curry. He drives for Mike Harmon Racing. He finished seventh. Brett Moffitt, obviously, for our motorsports in ninth. And then Jeremy Clements finished 10th for Jeremy Clements Racing. So all of these self-owned race teams had top 10 in some career best finishes. And I thought that was really, really cool. That sort of turns back the clock a little bit for me, where, where people who's, well, the name of the race team is also the last name of the guy driving the car. Because it's a family-owned right. operation. You know, Ed Negree or Jabe Thomas racing back in the day or, you know, Tommy Gale or all those guys back in the day that, that uh, raced and had their own their own, own race teams. But, uh, you know, I tell you, you know, it, it does your does my body good to see these teams have that kind of finish. And the interviews that were done, and I'm so glad that Fox FS Long stayed and got some interviews with some of these guys and they played them later. But because it's, it is just pure joy. And you work all year long and you're languishing back there and you can't get a break and you don't have the tires and you finish 21st or 19th or 17th, but suddenly you finish third, Brandon Brown. How cool is that? And then you build on that. You take that. Everyone has a little more pep in their step. Everyone that comes to the shop, not probably aren't, aren't a lot of them, uh, but they come to the shop and, and they, they say, look what we can do. Look what we've done. Look at, look who we beat today. You know, there's no reason that can't happen again. So I, I just, I love, right. I love the result. Yeah. Look at what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It, it just proves to them that all of that hard work, it's going to pay off. It's just a matter of time. So I thought that was cool. And, and when I asked Brett about that, I said, well, if, you know, if we're expecting to see what now, what we're hoping to see in November, are, are we going to see this again? And he said, I think we've been seeing this all year. Go back and look at, maybe it's not the top five or the top 10, but go back and look at some of these smaller teams and they've been having very successful runs this season. So uh, I don't, I don't know what to attribute that to other than hard work, but I just think that, that was yeah. really cool. So I wanted to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I, I love that. I love it. And that's what these, yeah. that's what these series are about. The trucks were off. They'll be back this mm -hmm. next week in Atlanta, which is cool. Yep. Um, so I, I, but I think, you know, the Xfinity guys going there and everyone just driving, driving so hard uh, from the drop of the green flag, driving hard, you know, uh, where mm -hmm. you, people, you know, people turn on the television and, and they say, oh gosh, the race must be over. Everybody's just driving there. No, it's like lap 10. It's like lap mm -hmm. 10 and people are driving. They're, they're just sliding sideways, trying to pass somebody. And that's what it's about. It's that intensity. You know, I heard someone say, you know, I do a little radio show in Tennessee. I heard someone call and say, hey, you know what, Doc? The Phoenix race was okay. It was pretty good, but it wasn't great. And I said, wasn't great. And they said, I said, it was a really good Phoenix race. I said, I said, here's the, here's the issue you got now is that the, the Vegas race and the Homestead race were so good on right. mile and a half tracks. They were just, it was things happening everywhere. You can go to Phoenix and have a good race, but it doesn't measure up to what you just saw at Vegas at Homestead. That's a good problem to have. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that's cool. I really do. Yeah. Well, and you talk about, you know, bringing the excitement and having good problems to have. Well, hopefully whatever the racing is like this weekend, we also have a double header on Saturday. Yeah. So you have that. I love the fact that we're able to do things like that, you know, do the Xfinity or I should say truck series, then Xfinity series back to back in one day. Uh, that just adds a whole extra element to the competition. And for guys like Brett Moffitt, who I again, talked with this week, he's running both back to back. Uh, yeah. At Atlanta and at a track like Atlanta, I mean, that's not, it's not an easy feat to do anywhere, but especially no, no. on a tough racetrack like Atlanta, somebody pointed out on um, Sirius XM this week, they said the pavement at Atlanta is older than William Byron. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, it hasn't it, been it, repaved it, since then. Yeah. It, it, does anybody, anybody want to hazard a guess as to what is the oldest pavement, current pavement in, in, in NASCAR? And uh, which track has the oldest old, is, is the oldest pavement in NASCAR? I won't waste any time, but I'll. You may want to have. Yeah, it's like anybody. Am I the anybody that's going to gander that yeah, guess? Because I don't okay. know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It is Dover, and it's sort of a trick okay. question. Okay. It's concrete. It was. It, yeah, they put I was going to say. 1995, and then and then Auto Club Speedway was uh, paved in 1996, and then Atlanta Motor Speedway 1997. Now in mm -hmm. 2018. You know, so what, what, what are we, uh, you know, you're the math whiz. Um, what are we, 24 years? Thanks. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway. uh, yeah, that sounds about right to me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in 2018, 2019, the Atlanta Motor Speedway was thinking of repaving the track, and the driver stepped in and said, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's perfect for racing. I mean, 
The service is worn. Uh, there's grip with new tires, but it goes away and it gives up and it's perfect for racing. So they have not paid it. They go in and they, they put, um, they fill in the little cracks on the racetrack, you know, with, you know, where, where the pavement is separated a little bit, but they leave it the way it is. And it is great racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway, but it's the third oldest pavement in, in the entire sport, not having been paid since 1997 or, or uh, before William Byron was born. Yes. BW, yes. Uh, <laughs> Corey LaJoy posted a really funny tweet this week when you said that about the driver saying, no, no, don't repave it. it. It said, you know, Atlanta, we should really fix up this racetrack. And then it said the drivers in response, no, it's perfect. And it had a photo of a road that just had like potholes everywhere <laughs> and like yeah, all yeah. these cracks through it. Yeah. And I was like, that's about the equivalent when it comes to what that race racing surface looks like. Oh, yeah. 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 Hey, I remember going yeah. to Atlanta when when uh, the, the roads going into the parking lot and out of the parking lot, none of them are paved. And if you wanted to leave the racetrack and you went around the back of the racetrack out the back way by the little landing strip back there, it's called Bear Creek. It's a little airport back there. It's a dirt road. And it's not a gravel road because gravel would have cost too much money. It was a dirt road. I remember going back there one night. I might have been myself and I might have been Benny or Barney Hall, just a bunch of us in a car. And we're in the race is over and it's dark on a Sunday night and there's, there's a guy standing on the dirt road with flashlights waving cars by. And because the lane of cars getting out of the back stretch and the lane of cars coming around the front straight away. He's there. As we get closer, the guy looks like he's dressed up. And he said, Oh, this is some fan out there. You know, we get a little closer in a suit, standing there in a suit is Bill France Jr. with flashlights directing traffic. I mean, how I mean what? that's how you talk. You, we 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 looked and I think it was Barney. Barney said, That's Billy. And, and someone said, well, let's wave at him. said, no, let's not wave at him because he sees it's us. He'll have us out there directing traffic too. <laughs> we, work for the man. we work for the man. But how cool is that? Oh, my God. to show you that he was a hands-on guy. And, and those were his fans. And uh, they'd have come to – and it wasn't even his racetrack back then yet, you know. Uh, but he was making sure they were able to get out. And uh, I don't know if he just thought that that was a bottleneck and there was nobody directing traffic there. Probably in his mind – He's a little perturbed at the people who were running the track back then. Uh, there were two co-owners. Didn't have someone back there directing traffic. So rather than picking up the phone, so another CEO or corporate president would have picked up the phone and said, hey, get someone back there. Not Billy, <laughs> not Brant, nope. Mr. Brant. He jumps out of the car with flashlights, and, and his plane is parked right over there, just up, you know, 100 yards away. He could have been on his plane, but now they're headed home. But no, he's there in the dark with a suit on directing traffic. So that's what, wow. that's, that's what built the sport is that kind of – let, I, let, I'll do it, attitude, from his dad, William Henry, Getty France, Big Bill, Bill France Jr., you know, you know, Lisa, you know, just, you know, Jim, you know, down Jimmy France, you know, you know, and, and Ben Kennedy. I mean, Ben Kennedy, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, who is the grandson, is responsible for a lot of this, this, uh, this schedule changes that we've seen that oh, have yeah. been so successful. And he's a young, young man, but he's so wise beyond his years, talking about drivers, that, you know, he should get the pat on the back for what they've done with the schedule changes. And a lot of that has been Kennedy understanding, you know, what, where we are and what we have to do. So that gives me a lot of excitement knowing that there's another Bill French Jr., you know, Jimmy France coming down, and that's Lisa's son, Ben. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We talked about it back when we discussed the schedule change. He just hearing the way that, Ben Kennedy talks about the the process which with with which he thought through this scheduling yeah. is so reassuring as well. And I love the line he said, you know, a true battle-tested champion at the end of all of this season because he's he has put together quite a ringer for these drivers. So uh, I love that story though. I didn't know that. That's that's absolutely a testament to the love and the the responsibility and leadership that the France family put forward. Dad, really fast. I'm going to run and grab my laptop charger. My computer char died really fast. So just give me. Okay. No problem at all. No problem at all. Somewhere over the rainbow. For those of you listening on, on your favorite or now your least favorite audio network channel, um, uh, I will not, I will promise you, I will not sing um, or dance. Uh, I don't know. I might. I would might uh, not mind to see you bust out a dance move or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I should have taken I, longer I, to get my charger. 
Yeah, if my back were feeling better, I'd I'd, I'd do the worm all the way across the room and back. But I'm 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 oh, Shoot, up. I I hate you're not feeling not well. That's up. tough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, let's talk Atlanta. <laughs> oh wow, that was that was a bad one, but that was a good one. That was better than your Bee Gees joke last week. I'll yeah, give you that. I'm, I'm still hanging on to that one. Yeah. <laughs> I should have posted that on Twitter. The BGs were really. Is it too late? Yeah, I might still post that on Twitter. Okay. People need to see that. <laughs> You're right. It's my fault for not knowing the BGs. That's yeah, that one's on me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Dad. You know, I um, I saw someone was tweeting at you about what. Well, they were tweeting in general, I believe, about what race they should watch from Atlanta. They were trying to get excited about the action this weekend, and they said, yeah. I'm looking for a good one to watch. And I came across an article uh, from Auto Week, and it was the most memorable moments at Atlanta. And I thought that was kind of fun to kind of go through and reminisce on some of them. They had – where'd it go? Here it is. They had, you know, uh, Morgan Shepard's first win there back in 1986. That was really cool. I went and watched yeah. kind of a shortcut down of that one. Um, they had, uh, Brad Kislowski getting flipped by Carl Edwards a couple of years back. What was that? 2010. Um, that was kind of a retaliation, I believe from another yeah. incident yeah. that had happened earlier on in the season. You know what they say about paybacks? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Fortunately, nobody got um, hurt there. Yeah. But for sure. Yeah. Everything worked out. Okay. Uh, no, maybe some hurt feelings, but other yeah, than that, right. <laughs> and of course they had you know 2011 Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson dueling it through the last couple laps and uh Jeff Gordon obviously ultimately got the win that was his 85th career victory wow just right. some awesome Atlanta moments this was a really neat article to kind of go back and, and look through some of these so many good things I remember the year that Jeff Gordon won it. I can't remember exactly the year I had to look it up but he won the championship in the final race of the year at Atlanta and the next day there was a test being set up for something, and I can't remember exactly what it was for. It might have been some kind of post-race tire test. It might have been Goodyear wanting to, to have a, the fastest Chevy and the fastest Ford, et cetera, uh, to hang around, and they wanted to test tires on the worn-out racetrack, on the worn track with rubber on it. So they hung around the next day, and uh, they worked out a little deal, with, you know, a gentleman's deal in the garage area with no one was supposed to know about, and there was no video of it, but Jeff Gordon and Mark Martin were going to swap cars. And Mark Martin, I think he had finished uh, – you know, second, third, or fourth, you know, Mark just got on the wheel and just drove it and, and route driving for Roush. <clears throat> and so Gordon gets in the Martin car and goes out there, and he's like half a second slower a lap than Mark Martin was in the car. And he comes back. He only runs like four or five laps and comes back in. It's on a car, and he's sweating, you know, like crazy. His eyes are big as saucers. He says, holy cow, that's a handful. That car is all over the place. And what did you guys do with that car? And the crew says, that's nothing. That's the way Mark drove it. That's, that was as close as we could get it yesterday for the race. Mark <laughs> drove it just like that and finished second to you. And then uh, he said, holy cow, you go in the corner and it's going to go left, it's going to go right. You get in the throttle and it goes, Meh. you know, it doesn't. So then, you know, so, so Gordon said, I, I'm done. My four or five laps, I'm like, <laughs> Martin, Martin got in Jeff Gordon's car, goes out there and ran like lap after lap after lap. And he was running laps as fast, if not faster, than Gordon was in the car. And so Martin comes down pit road and sat there in the car, and he went up to him and he shaking his head. So you got to be kidding me? He said, "I got to try to beat this every week. This car drives like a Cadillac. You sit there, you just turn it, it turns. <laughs> you hit the throttle, and it's like a rocket ship, in, you know, engine. You know, just <laughs> holy cow. I mean, it's uh, so yeah. I, but they they kept it quiet for a long time, and then finally, you know, some of us they told some of us about having. Of course, now Mark later in his career got to drive for Hendrick and ran and ran well and got one he won five races that one year. But you know, and this is nothing against Jack Ross, but it's because he showed you that that there was a big discrepancy in, in in the handling of those cars, especially in a place like Atlanta where speed is so critical. And 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 Mark Martin was just a wheel man, and no wonder he he, he won all those IROC races and IROC championships because he just get up and he he get up and he would wheel that car you know to the front. But anyway, a favorite Atlanta memory after the race was those two guys swapping cars. I love that. That's a fun story. I've never heard that. That is really fun to think about how, how drivers really don't, don't know what the other competitors are, are feeling within their car. They only know what they have, you know? And sometimes that's a good thing, apparently, because then, then yeah. they're going to be thinking about what they're racing against. I forgot to mention this one as well, which is cool. And, and Kevin Harvick actually tweeted about it this week when he beat Jeff Gordon for his first win yeah. at Atlanta. And he tweeted yeah. uh, something saying, I wish I had known 
how big this moment was in the moment or something like that. Yeah. And I just thought that was really neat. Yeah. It was almost like Kevin, everybody was so emotional because he was, you know, we had just lost Dale a few weeks before mm-hmm. and Kevin's in the car and he beats one of the all time greats and Jeff Gordon by inches to the line. Um, and he gets out of the car and it's almost like, you know, it's almost like Kevin was a deer in the headlights. He knew everybody was upset. There's here's chocolate Myers and all these, these, these men's men standing there, uh, crying with tears on their children. So everybody with tears rolling down their face. And they're thinking about Dale, not especially his fans. No one left. Everyone standing in the stands, holding up three fingers, mm-hmm. even though the car had 29 on it at that time. You know, I, I just think, you know, and, and I don't think Kevin, you know, and, and it was just, it almost wasn't fair to him. I don't think he really understood because he really didn't know Dale like others right. did. He was a newcomer to the deal. And now obviously he made it a point to learn as much as he can could about Dale. And then the more he learned, the more emotional it got. And is he in hindsight, you go back and think about that, but it was almost like, Holy cow, you know, it's, he wasn't prepared to have to, you know, and he was you know, trying to answer the questions and what this meant because, you know, he didn't, he didn't get it, you know, mm-hmm. what a, but, but what an omen that was getting that win, oh. beat Jeff Gordon, considering what, what was going to happen in, in the future for Kevin Harvick and his career. Yeah, absolutely. I, I rewatching the last few laps of that broadcast was, was really cool. And like I said, along with Kevin admitting, I didn't know at the time how big that was. Um, I thought it was really interesting. So definitely had a, a lot of memorable moments at Atlanta. Um, we talk about, about Dale Earnhardt. I, I would go back to where I started this conversation with the, the tweet. The man asked you what, or asked what race he should watch. And he ultimately settled on the 1988 Motorcraft Quality Parts 500 at Atlanta, which was Dale Earnhardt's uh, fourth win at Atlanta. And I read today, dad, that that was his first win in the number three black Chevy. Um, and that kind of started the, the, that era of, of paint scheme as far as winning goes. So um, first time that car was in victory lane, I think that's really cool to think about. And I know that you obviously were in the booth for that race and that was a pretty big and exciting race for you as well. It it was, you know, back then Atlanta, there were two races a year in Atlanta and the first race of the year was normally uh, carried by ABC network. And then ESPN would do the the finale of the year, the championship weekend. Uh, Because remember during the fall, ABC had college football and had the NFL, et cetera. So, so, um, the year before, what ABC initially did when they were doing that first race is I would work the pits or a couple of, but they would put some of their wide world of sports announcers uh, up in the booth to call the race. Well, these are really good guys, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. They're really good guys, uh, but they're they're really be good if they're discussing the Oslo, the Norway, the, the, the midnight mile in Oslo, Norway, or alpine skiing, you know, from from Switzerland. But NASCAR was a little bit of little, little bit of a reach for these guys and understanding it. So, so I guess ABC went back to the drawing board and said, "Hey, you know what? Here's the deal. Um, uh, next year, we're going to bring in some racing people, and so we're going to bring in, you know, legendary Keith Jackson. You know, hello everybody. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, Keith grew up. Keith grew up about 45 minutes from Atlanta Motor Speedway there in Georgia. He's a Georgia boy. So, uh, and then we're going to put. We need to find an analyst with him that Keith can relate to and. I got a chance to, to go up there and I was not really an analyst. I wasn't a driver, but they wanted someone, uh, they knew Keith loved sports and loved motorsports, but they wanted someone that could would play off Keith and also someone that could understand the strategy of what was happening. So I'd been a pit reporter, just starting out. So I understand what, you know, here's what happens with during fuel mileage. Here's what happens with tires. And so, I, I mean, literally ABC called me and said, you're going to be, we're going to fly you to Atlanta and uh, you're going to be working in the booth with, Keith Jackson, my hero, you know. Why wow, I can't people, imagine you know, getting that phone call. You know, you know, you know, the thrill of agony, you know, thrill of, you know, victory, the, ag- the, the, you know, the agony of defeat. So I'm thinking this is a guy I've watched all, since I was a little kid growing up. And I get to the hotel, um, and a lot of my memory is more, is more about being around Keith than it is the race itself, although I'm thrilled to see Dale win. But, um, and I get there, and Keith calls my room and says, hey, uh, welcome to the team. Uh, you know, in just very Southern hospital, he said, welcome to the team, doctor. He said, uh, you know, they just had a new, a new uh, ABC just invoked a new uh, cost saving maneuver. Uh, we can no longer take helicopters uh, to the venues. And I'm thinking helicopters, I've been working for Motor Racing Network where we, we're lucky if we get four or five guys in a, in a subcompact rental car. 
He said, so uh, I assume you got a rental car. I said, yeah, they, ABC booked me a full-size rental car. I said, good, you're driving in the morning. I'll ride with you. We'll talk on the way to the track. So we're leaving at six in the morning. And, uh, and ABC, we stayed, rather than staying near the racetrack, which would have been convenient, they wanted to, to put Keith Jackson and the ABC crew up in the nicest hotel in the area, which was the Ritz-Carlton in downtown Atlanta. So we're all oh, in the sure. Ritz-Carlton. And uh, wow. you know, I hadn't been in a room you know, that night. I mean, I just, holy cow. Uh, so the next morning we get up, we get our car, and we're on our way. We're, we're zipping through downtown Atlanta on Sunday morning. There's not much traffic. So I'm thinking, I have Keith Jackson. I have the legendary Keith Jackson sitting right here in the front seat with me. Keith's telling me we're talking about a lot of things. He's giving me some advice, and we're talking about racing. And and uh, I come around the corner. We're 75 heads out of town. And I guess I wasn't paying attention to the speed, and I was running probably, you know, 8 or 10 miles over the speed limit. And we come over the corner and there sits a state patrolman and he whips the lights on and he pulls, pulls in behind me. And, and I'm thinking, holy oh. cow, I've gone through college. I've gone through medical school. Gosh, I've never had a speeding ticket in my life and I'm going to get a speeding ticket. So I pull over and Keith says to me, doctor, not to worry. He said, uh, we're in this great state of Georgia. He said, he said, here's what you do. And we're slowing down and, and the guy's lights are, he said, here's what you do. He said, as soon as you get to a stop, you can jump out of the car, you go into the back seat. And you reach in there and you get that mustard yellow jacket that says wide world of sports on it. <laughs> and you put that jacket on and you walk back there and he'll get out of his car and he'll look at you. He'll look down at that jacket and see that label says ABC's wide world of sports. He may ask you, what are you doing here, son? And you'll say, well, I'm getting ready to do that race. And that's Keith Jackson sitting in the front of that car up there. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he'll get in his car and drive off. Well, I, I said, hey, that sounds pretty cool. So I get out. We get stopped and get that yellow jacket on, go back there. And this trooper gets out of the car. He looks like looks like Sergeant Carter on Gomer Pyle. He has that big hat <laughs> forward and the strap is cutting into his chin like it's bleeding. And he's riding in. He wasn't playing in, around. No, he's not. He looks like, you know, and he's riding in his book. And, you know, and he said, yeah, you know how fast you were going? I mean, it's like no no small talk. He hadn't looked up yet. He's, still, he's, he's writing my tag number down. So, and, and so he's in the middle of filling out this ticket. And I'm trying my darnest to get that jacket down there where he can see that <laughs> pointing to that patch and stuff. He did not care. He looked up, ripped that ticket off, handed it to me. And I walked back and sat down in the car and Keith handed it to Keith. Keith said, you got a ticket? I said, yeah. I, he said, did you do what I said? I did, I did everything that lay on the floor on the ground out there, Keith, for him to see that wide world of sports logo. And he said, he didn't stop. I said, he was adamant. I said, I was polite to the man. I said, I got a ticket. I guess I got my first speaking ticket. And, uh, and Keith was steaming then, you know, so we get to the race. <laughs> he goes to you know, one of our security guys at the, for ABC, anytime ABC did anything in Georgia, you know, whether it was a Georgia football game or a race or whatever, you know, uh, they had one of the top, top guys for the state police uh, there as our security. We ran the security detail. So Keith goes over and shows him his ticket. He said, one of your finest just gave the good doctor a ticket here on the way in this morning. And he said, wouldn't even look up and see his jacket. They wouldn't let him even say a word. And the and the the guy says, well, let me see if I. And he looks at the ticket. He he's, he said he's a former Marine Corps drill sergeant, and he said this guy would write his own mother a ticket if she was going a mile over the speed limit. So you got no shot of me talking to this guy about giving you a hand. He said, sort of you got, got the there. wrong said, officer. Yeah. yeah, I got the wrong dude here. I said, you know, I didn't even uh -huh. get to, I didn't get to mention Keith Jackson. I didn't get the, I, I didn't get one single woe <laughs> Nelly out of there. You know, he just kept writing. So yeah. anyway, yeah. so one single woe Nelly. Whoa, Nelly, or you know, a little bulldog at him. But mm -hmm. you know, I, I, um, we got to the track and had a great show. And working with Keith, uh, he learned so much. Just the composure, the calmness. The, you know, he. One thing he stressed with me was to, to be a young announcer was vocabulary. He said, "You grew up. I grew up in Georgia." And he said, "You can't sound like you're from Georgia. It's okay to use some slang terms, but it's really important to have a vocabulary." And he said, "You know." He said, I, I, I got some advice years ago about grabbing a Reader's Digest and going to the vocabulary section and learning words. And he said, that's what I'm going to give to any young announcer I work with is it's important, you know, to now he gave that same advice a year later uh, when they moved, when they moved us, our whole ESPN crew over there. And I was working Pitt Road as a pit reporter and, and we had Benny Parsons up there and he gave Benny that advice. And Benny started by Benny, Benny actually got a subscription to the Reader's Digest. And he would go to the vocabulary and he would get some $25 word that he would, <laughs> he would use it every telecast, you know, like, you know, super califragilisticexpialidocious. you know, he, yeah. he, whether it had any application to what was happening and, and we were calling He'd a find race. find a way to fit it in. Find a way, you know, that was, you know, that was, you know, 
you know, uh, that's awesome. And, and we'd look at Benny and he'd bring that word out and we'd think it, and we'd go to commercial and I'd say, what does that mean? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know readers, I just, you know, but anyway. Keith, Keith Jackson up. said so. Yeah. Keith Jackson said, go learn you some words there, Mr. Benny Parsons, and get you some big old words. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, working with Keith that's was awesome. special. And uh, it, 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 it started a friendship. And over the years and getting a chance to work a little bit of, little bit of football with him, uh, but he was the best. And he was as, as big a person, a big hearted a person uh, you'd ever want to meet as, as much as he was on television. He was such, such a huge presence. And, you know, he might not have known, you know, a whole lot about that, what was happening in NASCAR, but it didn't make any difference because when you heard that voice, when ABC came on the air, you knew it was a big show because Keith Jackson mm -hmm. was there. So, yeah, that was pretty cool mm -hmm. in spite of the speed well, pick. Aside from the speeding ticket, of course. <laughs> well, and how neat is it, just the timing that all of that worked out for you to get a phone call that you're going to get to go yeah. work this race with your hero. And then that was Keith Jackson's last NASCAR broadcast for ABC. So uh, just the, the way that that all kind of fell into place is, is really cool. That's, yeah, that's a neat it, story. It was, and, and, and I, I just um, am so thankful, you know, so thankful. You, those moments that come by, and like Evan Harvey talked about that win at Atlanta, he had no ideal idea that day, the impact of that moment. I had no idea that day, the impact of standing beside Keith Jackson, one of the all-time greats. You know, uh, there's a, I've been I've been blessed in my career. I don't mean to I don't mean to, to wander, but I've been so blessed in my career, Jesse, uh, to 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 be around a Keith Jackson or to sit with people in a moment in time, sitting with. Arnold Palmer at his at his office on Bay Hill at the, at the golf course and sitting and just having breakfast and, and talking or sitting with Muhammad Ali in a casual not with not with you know the the, the Muhammad Ali that's doing all the doing all the hype and doing all the shtick mm -hmm. with the real Muhammad Ali talking about what was important in life and and those kind of moments I'm thinking you know I want to pinch myself I'm a country boy from the rural mountains of North Carolina whose mom and dad worked two jobs each. Uh, for us to make ends meet. And here I am, you know, on Wide World of Sports, or here I am with Keith Jackson, or here I am sitting there doing a sit-down with, with one of the all-time greats, Arnold Palmer, or Muhammad Ali, you know, or Wayne Gretzky. I, I just, you know, I feel so fortunate. And I wish now, I did appreciate where I was, but like Kevin Harvick, now, later in life, I wish I would really have appreciated it more. And I wish I'd have had a phone back then that had the capability of taking pictures. I would love to have right. more with those people that I was talking with. Yeah, it, it really is a good a good lesson on uh, appreciating the moment and, and yeah, really just yeah. taking it all in. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's a really neat story. I love getting to hear more. I had heard uh, you tell me in the past about getting to work with Keith Jackson and I just always love hearing more about, about especially advice, you know, from, from the, the greatest of greats in, in broadcasting and then getting to hear these pieces of advice, like having vocabulary passed down, I think is really important to share. So Keith Jackson said something that, you know, about, you know, um, you know, a good announcer knows when to talk, but a great announcer knows when to shut up. And that's important because if you stop talking, then suddenly you're building the moment. And mm -hmm. if you keep talking, if you talk wall to wall to wall to wall, then it becomes noise. And uh, I thought that was great advice from someone like Keith who understood if you want to get a message across, you whisper because people will listen when you whisper or you stop talking. Suddenly everyone will turn and say, and can't wait for your next word. Keith Jackson taught me a lot. That's really cool. It makes me think about, you know, the, the potential for, for who are the next moments like this the next greats in the in the broadcasting realm of things that we'll be talking about you know many years from now and looking back on on what we learned from them throughout this this era which is neat well dad we head to atlanta this weekend as we said this weekend doubleheader on saturday gonna look a little different than the atlanta weekend we saw this time last year where if you'll remember they they brought everybody in and then said wait a minute we're sending everybody home, and that was the official the official start of the end, if you will, from the uh, COVID nineteen shutdown. But we're back. Before we wrap up, uh, do you have any Atlanta food recommendations by chance? Oh well, you, you know what one of my all time favorite foods is, and it's not expensive. You buy them at service oh. and you buy them at. I Martin know the answer Hill to this Hill. one. 
Yeah, and this is not a surprise to anybody, but I am. <laughs> I love, 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 love hot dogs, and so um, I love a I, hot dog too. So yeah, good. I mean, so whether I was doing whether I was doing a football game or a race, I mean, you got to hit the varsity. And there's yep. one in the court. There's one in the air. I think it's in decon course if you fly in. And there's also but the original varsity where you get you get all the aroma of the uh, of the grease, um, you know, of, of the onion rings and we did a we did a I did a Georgia Tech game one night there a Thursday night primetime game and actually went to the varsity and ordered orange drinks and sandwiches and hot dogs for us during the game uh, and the play by play guy I think Brad Nessler kept going let's check in with Doc and I'm in line at the varsity which you, which you could see from <laughs> Grant Field you know it's up the hill there that's awesome and, and that's probably the only only sideline reporter ever to go and buy hot dogs and onion rings and orange <laughs> orange drinks. Um, uh, during the game. During the was, game. During the game. That's okay. You know, it was uh, 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 so it that's the out. kind. Of, that's the kind of updates that I want during the yeah, game. Yeah, I want yeah. to know what the line looks like at the yeah, varsity yeah. so that I can know right. if I can get over there in time and get my cheeseburger. Yeah. Hey, they're out on you, Rams. Okay, hang, hang on, Brad. Brad, Brad, hang yeah. on. We'll this next play. Do you, would you rather have the crinkle fries? You know, it's just yeah. it's <laughs> information. And you got to get stuff. We, in, in fairness, we actually pre pre-produced this. I went over the day before. Yeah. We did, we, we, but I had to pause and I had to give Brad, here's the question you got to ask me, you know, so it looks like, and people were just going, like, how in the world did Doc, he said, what incredible, incredible, you know, wireless equipment ESPN has. He's at the bar yeah. in line, crystal clear. I had to wear the same thing I'm wearing in the game, but it was cool. Of course. It was, That's TV magic for sure. Yeah. yeah, we came back at a commercial and I'm standing on the sidelines with a half a basket of onion rings from the varsity, which we had saved. But uh, still, you know, uh, it, it's just, uh, it was hard, by the way, to save a half a basket of onion rings. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah. No, I, that's a great pick. I like that pick a lot. I hadn't been yeah. to the varsity until I was in college and, and Austin took me yeah. over there. And that was, it's a fun experience. Definitely try to go to the one in downtown Atlanta if you if you can. So Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's a whole, you know, soak it up. No, no pun intended. It's the atmosphere of being, in, <laughs> being there and and uh, and go hungry because you're gonna you're gonna want to eat a couple different different varieties of things. Oh yeah, you won't leave hungry by any means. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, Dad, I am looking forward to what we see at Atlanta this weekend. I loved chatting about some of these awesome Atlanta memories with you. And as we said from the top of the show, we have plenty to talk about next week because we're going dirt racing oh, at gosh. Bristol two weekends from now. So uh, yes, and like we were we were discussing, we've seen so many big announcements of drivers crossing series. A lot of some guys making Cup debuts, some Cup drivers driving on dirts in the Truck Series for the first time. It's just a lot of good stuff to touch on so uh gonna be an awesome weekend in atlanta and then bristol after that we have a lot to look forward to i, I loved and i loved episode michael mcdowell with you dad episode michael mcdowell just like michael i think was a winner uh and, and so happy for him and and bob jenkins it's sort of a homecoming for that team they you know bob jenkins brad jenkins who owns that team they're they they live an hour from bristol so uh, you know right in in uh, Danridge, Tennessee. So uh, that's cool for them. But uh, look at Hey, Jesse and Jordan, as always, love love kicking back and telling some stories. Uh, Atlanta holds so many special memories, and I'm sure it will again this weekend. We'll talk more about it next week, and then we'll talk about how exciting it is. For the first time in 50 years, NASCAR gets back on the dirt. And can't wait, Jesse. So, hey, love you, sweetie. I love you too, Dad. I'll talk to you next week. 